Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. How about this for a stellar career? Many of you will be familiar with the name Elio Pace, or Pace, as he has been appearing on our screens, radios and stages since the 1980s. Elio started singing and playing at the piano at the age of four at his home in Surrey, and from this very young age, his musical talent was very apparent. He appeared on the BBC TV show Bob Says Opportunity Knocks in 1988, can't believe he's that old, singing and playing on his own material and reached the final. This led to several primetime TV appearances on shows presented by the TV icons of the time, including Terry Wogan, Michael Barrymore and Les Dawson. His musical career continued to grow over the following decades, during which time he took to the stage to perform and was the musical director on a number of musical productions, including Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, West Side Story and Dancing in the Street, to name but a few. His achievements do not end there. He formed the Elio Pace Band in 1993, became a band member of both Shaking Stevens and Susie Quatter in 2000. 2004 and has toured with his Elio Pace plays the Billy Joel songbook show since 2014 and Elio has performed with people like Brian May, Huey Lewis, Glenn Campbell, Lulu, Mike Rutherford and now me on the Sandro Forte podcast. What can I say? A very, very dear friend who sadly I haven't seen for a little while but it's brilliant to catch up with you and thank you for being, you're such a busy boy, thank you so much for being on this show. It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to have you with us. This is my honour and this is my favourite gig so far, the one with you, Sandra. <laughs> I'm it's, sure that's a lie no, but thank no, you, I'll take no, it. great. I'm, I'll, I'm just happy, I'm happy to be here, you know, uh, I, I love you mate and uh, you're fantastic at what you do and I'm just honoured to be part of your podcast. And correct me if I'm wrong, we met at a wedding. We were not married. We were talking before the yeah, show yeah. about uh, your surname and my surname yeah. and being, you know, from Italian, Italian descent. Yeah. 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 And we were talking about po- the possibility of getting married because we'd have a fantastic <laughs> yeah. double-barreled surname, Pace, wouldn't we? Pace Ford. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yes. Okay. All right. Enough of the frivolity. We've got 30 minutes and this is going to end up being a two-part, I'm sure, because there's no way we're going to get all this in. Anyway, uh, my dear friend Elio, tell us first of all about your childhood in Surrey and where this amazing love and talent for music came from. Well, the answer for the music has to lie at my mum and dad's uh, in, in their life. Their music was part of their life. They uh, they 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 are Italian. They were uh, mum is from Lago Negro, which is right in the deep south of, well not quite south but it's Basilicata um, it's famous for where the Mona Lisa uh, was from Lisa Giradaldi um, and my dad is from Benevento in Naples, so they're southern Italians, they got married in Italy they emigrated to England early 60s um, and made England their home, uh, they moved to Adelston in Surrey, I was born in Woking um, and my two sisters Giuseppina and Sandra and that's our family, music was in the house, it was just everywhere 
they brought with them the Neapolitan songs, the pop songs of the era that they loved from the 50s and the 60s. Mum and Dad, both wonderful singers, really great singers. Um, my dad played the accordion. Uh, he bought me a piano from the local church for five pounds when I was uh, about four years old. Uh, it was a it was it was it was a battered old piano from the church, and he stripped it down and painted it white. He wanted me. Uh, he wanted me to be Liberace, no doubt, or something. <laughs> but no, my uh, my mum and dad have music in them. They are such natural, gifted. My mum's voice, had it been trained, had she decided to go down that route, beautiful tone, beautiful tone, phrasing, the vibrato at the end of the lines. My dad's innate feel for music and love. My dad's voice as well. But in all of my family. And all of those descendants, uh, my cousins, my aunties, their mums, my grandfather, their, you know, I'm the only person, and I'm not the only, shall we say, person who had music in them, but I'm the only person in all of our family that we can find that ever decided to make music a business, to make music their life. Because in, in a place like Italy, music's there. It's everywhere. It's probably not even regarded as a business. It's like, well, what do you mean? It's just what we do. We wake up, we sing, we wake up, we dance, we wake up, we have parties for years. You know what it's like. Mm. I'm sure it's the same Mm -hmm. in your family. I was the first person, even my sisters are unbelievably musically talented, but I'm the only one that ever went, hold on, I'm going to do this every single day and I'm going to try and earn some money singing and playing. I'm particularly interested in that then because uh, it is a it is an industry that is notoriously difficult to get into and to stay yeah, in yeah. to the degree of success that you've achieved, Elio. So what 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 did it take to turn that kind of the immersion of music and the thought of making a career into a career? Because there's, there's quite a big divide between oh. those two things. You know, thought and action. Uh, you know, what happened in the middle to, to join up those two <laughs> that's dots? A, that's a big, strong, deep question. What happened was, I think, and I'm just making this up as I'm going along because no one's ever really asked me that question. Um, uh, I like to think of myself as the Piers Morgan of podcasting. You, but, uh, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, Sandra, because I've listened to what you talk to with other people. As I say, I'm honoured because you've had some unbelievable people to speak to. So I knew this was not going to be a straightforward, what's your favourite colour? What's your favourite Billy Joel <laughs> oh, We're going to get on to that. Oh, OK. Well, <laughs> um, no, what makes the difference? I tell you what. Somebody said that you don't choose to do music. Music chooses you. And it is so true. Because to do what you've just described, what you've intimated there, to make a career out of music is very tough. Especially when you're... And let's let's be honest about this. I'm not a household name, okay? I'm not... Billy Joel, Elvis Presley, you know, uh, you know, I'm not those people, Elton John. But I've also been very, very successful in my category for over 30 years now. It's in that in-between uh, category, which is really hard. Because if you know that, you know, you're just going to be a musician at the weekend, uh, Fridays and Saturdays, then it's, you know, it's, it's, you know what your life is. If you're up there with the Elton Johns, yes, you've still got to maintain quality and, and a decent output, uh, but you are supported by an in, a huge industry that carry you along, that, you know, you know do, does your social media for you and, and, and organises the gigs for you and everything. I'm in that 
part, and I quite love it here, which is the part where uh, I do a lot of the work. I'm hands-on myself, everything from the, the gigs to the artwork. And yet I can walk down the street to this podcast and, you know, and comfortably just be staring at my phone or listening to music and no one's going to stop me. Very rarely does that happen. So to be in this category, you have got to want to be a musician because it is not easy. And something early in my life just flicked. I don't know. I, I honestly can't put my finger on exactly what it was, but I just remember as a four-year-old playing the piano and loving that feeling, just loving the feeling of the sounds and, and seeing the smiles and the joy that me playing a little tune. Then when I, I remember, I have a, my first memory of my first public performance. It was at my dad's working man's club in Woking. I must have been five or six, we could probably work it out, because we used to go to this place and there was always a band playing. And one day, I went up on stage and sung with this band. Now, the song I sang was Power to All Our Friends by Cliff Richard. Mm -hmm. Power to all our friends. I didn't know what if the If I could word... sing, I'd join in. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I, I didn't know what the words were. I didn't really understand what the song was about. I just loved that melody. And I was... So whenever the year that was, I must have been five or six. And I did, and I remember standing on stage. I remember it like I could actually visualise this now going, okay, remember I'm five or six going, hmm, well, the band didn't play that completely right. I can feel that's not as I heard it on the record. I knew then that, you know, that I was attached to this music. And I remember coming off stage and I remember there was a little side where all the kids would be running around. And for the first time in my life, I walked off that stage to where the kids play area was and all those kids gathered around me and were like, hello, you know, that was great. You know, in their own little way, I just felt like all of a sudden I'd been seen and that's a bug. When you realise that you got a buzz from the music, when the, the sound of the band around me performing, I remember it. And uh, and then the feeling of knowing that I'd connected with with my peers, you know, it was a big moment in my life. How you make that step to making it a professional is is full of of wonderful people that come along to inspire you. Uh, apart from my mum and dad's love of music, my mum and dad never stopped me. They always said, listen, finish your homework and then you can go and play your piano. But do your homework first, right? Because otherwise you're going to get into trouble. So do your maths, do your geography, do your biology. But they never, ever sat me down and went, look, let's be serious. Come on, it's going to be tough. Why don't you just you know, do something else. My dad was a manual labourer at Ford's, at the Ford plant in, in Swathling in Southampton, now shut. He made cars. He made the transit van for years and years and years since since we moved down to uh, the south coast, Eastleigh, from, from Woking. Um, he, uh, uh, and my mum was a stay-at-home mum, you know. Um, my dad wanted to be a boxer when he was a kid. My mum could have been a singer, but they always said we didn't have these opportunities. Not at all. Not in the not in the the dirt poor, you know. Growing up in Naples, it was nothing, nothing. Forget about it. So, when my music teacher Mary Granger at school drove me home from a concert one day when I was about twelve, and drove me home specifically to take me into the house and sit me in front of my mum and dad and say to them, "Listen, your son's got something." And I've spotted something in him that is different to everyone else. I honestly believe you should consider your boy becoming a professional musician. Yes, he's good at football. 
Yes, he can play tennis. So, you know, I was good at all that mm. stuff. But your son has got something about him. They are 12 or 13. He's got his choices coming up now for O-levels. You know, this, this is back in 1981 or 82 or something. And uh, that, that moment changed my life as well. And they and uh, she was very generous about how she would help to support me. Um, they decided to get a better piano for me in the house. Um, she would let me go home with drum kits in the summer holidays, with glockenspiels, with trumpets, with bassoons, just anything, just because I was all into it, you know. And of course, I was developing my style to sing and my love of music and and, and arranging and writing as well. So. There are so many great influential people like Mary Granger who 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 made a huge. I mean, what an impact that would have been for for my family to go. What do you what, what do you mean he can make he can make a living at this? They'd never thought about it. They just thought, yeah, he goes to play the piano. They never stopped me. But I don't think they ever really occurred to them that you could actually, you know, buy houses and buy cars and go on holiday with the money you earn from singing to people. <laughs> It's a new concept. It was a brand new concept for my family. So uh, I was lucky. I was blessed with great mum and dad. You know, they're still with us and who um, who sort of changed. Mm. That's a big change, you know. Well, I was... well, we have a lot to be grateful to your mother and father uh, for and, of course, Mary. So well done, all three of those you. lovely people. Um, you are far too modest to say this yourself, but you are supremely talented world class I would say and I don't throw those words around lightly because I've listened to you and I think the greatest way to listen to music is with your eyes closed and actually all joking apart Elio if you close your eyes you would think that you were Billy Joel I mean, is it really that good and we'll, we'll come and talk about how people okay. find out about you later on okay um, Thank you. But you've you've played Billy Joel. You've um, world f- five amazing uh, reunions in the USA, oh, and yeah. it's what continued for six years or so now. Elton John, Elvis Presley. We'll talk about the albums and the other v- yep. various other things. Longevity in any business, um, particularly one spanning thirty years, is remarkable. How do you maintain that? I mean, we've, I've heard, I haven't heard the word passion, but it comes out in everything you say, the sparkle in your eye. Hmm. And I guess that might be the answer to the question, but what keeps you going? I do something that I love. It's not, I've got a choice. Do I do this? Do I do that? I literally wake up every single day like I did this morning. I had two meetings before I'm speaking to you today. I couldn't wait to get to the meetings. I know they're business meetings and they're talking about tours and they're talking about the, and I'm talking to you. Every day I have met, I've, I've, I've made decisions. I've learned to say no in my life. No to certain things. No, I don't want to do that. No, I, no, I won't sing that. No, I won't go down this route. No, I don't want to wear this. Um, no, I don't want to play with these people. No, I'm not interested in this. No is such a powerful word. And, and I believe it was Pavarotti that, who was asked that question. What was the secret of his success? And he said, I learned to say no. And so therefore, I've now got myself a life where I enjoy saying yes. And so therefore, when I wake up every single day, not always knowing what the day's going to bring. I've got plans of what I need to do, whether it's editing an album, whether it's uh, um, rehearsing, whether it's organising a rehearsal, whether it's organising gigs, whether it's talking to people about artwork or whether it's talking to people about songs or whatever. I chose a job that I, of, of, of all the aspects of which I truly love 
I love it. I love being here with you. I love standing in front of a full house four days ago, performing the Billy Joel songs with my special guest, David Brown, who was in Billy Joel's band as my lead guitarist in my band. It's all part of it. Every day I wake up and I'm just, is it lucky? I, I don't know, but it's, I'm, I'm just grateful that I learned from great people to how to go looking for the life you want and how to put it into place and how to really go striving for it. Mm. You know, because as I say, when you are part of a conglomerate, I've worked for the BBC. I've been signed to Warner. I know what it's like. I know how you sort of slightly get carried along with sort of other people's vision of you. And I know that sounds like a, a slightly an excuse of, you know, I'm happier here. But in some ways, you know, it's there's such a great joy in knowing that you are directing your every move. And you can say no. And, and the consequence is falls on you. You, call, you hold that responsibility. When I make an album, and I have made a few now, I don't have people bearing down on me going, uh come on, we need to finish this. You know, we've spent far too much money and we've got a deadline to hit. I'm like, no, hold on. Nobody ever told Beethoven, can you hurry up? <laughs> you know, or, or Van Gogh, can you hurry up, please? Because we've got to get this picture out to everyone or to get this symphony out. Hmm. He's like, I do not believe there is any time limit or budget to creating the greatest art you can. It has to come from within. Even McCartney, you know, even he was, you know, uh, he says they had to stop me making Sergeant Pepper because they were like, Paul, it's brilliant. Will you stop tweaking it? And, you know, because he was signed to EMI. Mm -hmm. I don't have any of that. I don't have any. I can go, do you know what? That's done. That moves me. Somebody else may think, oh, he could have done it better. I don't care about that. Mm. It moves me. That's ready for me to play to everyone else. In many ways, I suppose, uh, I won't call them imperfections, but the fact that we all have a different view of what great is, yes. is part of the the joy of the process and finding what works and what doesn't work. And, yes. uh, you know, so yes. I guess you go on tweaking forever and still yes, not get there. you could do. And actually accepting and learning that... Um, everybody does have that different view of what's great, who's good, who's bad. You know, what, that's why there's so much food and music and mm. paintings and buildings. And some people love that, but they hate this. And, and once you accept that, that's OK. It's fine. My job is not to go around trying to please as many people as possible or trying to second guess what other people want me to do. It's absolutely, totally to do with what I feel soothes and satisfies me. If other people love it too, oh my word, that's the, gr I mean, that is the greatest compliment, mm. really. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to use an analogy, the talent show, because that was kind of a routine for you. Mm. Um, I'm going to use that as an analogy, if I may. And I guess the question is twofold. One is, uh, as far as the, the, the route into music for you, in some respects, talent show, being recognised, the wins and the losses. You know, some people, we all focus on the winner of a talent show. Yeah. <laughs> and often, a lot of the talent gets left, left behind. Yeah. So how does Elio Pace deal with the wins and the losses? Because it would be fair to say, however successful you've been, there have been plenty of obstacles oh, gosh, yeah. along the way oh, that you've had word. to deal with personally, professionally. Yeah. How do you deal with those, first of all? That's part one, and then we'll deal with part two in a second. Okay. Um, 
How do you deal with it? Again, it's that resilience of knowing somewhere deep inside of you that what you're doing is true. What you're doing is true to yourself. And those losses probably came about because you may may have made a mistake or somebody just doesn't see it the way you do. And those people seem to be in a higher authority than you are. So therefore, they're not going to open doors for you. You know, they're not going to um, uh, work extra hard, those extra hours for you. So you just have to accept that you're not everybody's cup of tea. Uh, Honestly, that sets you free so much. It just sets you free knowing that you can't please everybody. And once you can get your head into that space, it, it becomes about not seeing it as a loss, but seeing it as a as an opportunity that uh, closed itself down to open up another opportunity. I know that sounds so cliche, and I've not I've not worked out these little you know <laughs> these little sayings because I've, as I say, I've never really gone so deeply into stuff like this properly, but not publicly anyway. But um, no, I've, I've, how do you deal with a loss? You, if you, it's that thing of really understanding that what you're doing is real, is true. And you just didn't connect with that situation or those people or that business, you know, just like you would have done with this, with these people. It, it really does, as I say, set you free to know that your job as an artist, as a songwriter, a singer, a performer, a dancer, whatever it is, is not to please everyone else. It, the, I think the greatest artists wake up and go, I need to express something about myself. And of course, if you express in a certain way that attaches itself to thousands or millions of people, then you have companies that can turn that into commerciality. Mm. Of course, you know, and some people choose to go that way and some people don't, do they? Some, some really talented and famous people decide to, to not start going that route. You know, the folk artists and, and some, some rock artists who, who become independent, you know, I'm an independent artist. I mean, as I say, I have been signed to Warner, I got dropped in five minutes, you know, I, I, I got dropped. It made, what softened the blow was I heard I got dropped on the same day that Bette Midler got dropped as well. Oh, wow. Uh, you know what I mean? But I know what it's like to sign a contract and go, mm, okay, do you know what? I'll, I'll, I'd rather regret this than not sign it and go, what ha- would have happened if I'd signed it? Mm. So I sign it. I do believe in that thing. That, that's a, one of my favorite sayings. Regret the things you do rather than the things you didn't do. Yeah. And I live my life by that, within reason, obviously. So part two to the question, Elio, is do you think in all the years you've been performing wonderful music and with all your experience, do you think that the acquisition or the identification of talent has changed much? Have we moved from uh, an industry that is te- was technically, you know, more brilliant or better equipped than it is today? Has it been replaced by something that's a bit more aesthetic? I I don't know. My question is, has music changed much and particularly has identifying talent changed? Because a lot of really, really talented people get left behind. Um, So I'd be interested, particularly with one eye on kind of talent shows and how they how they're being put out there in the, yeah. in the mainstream yeah. TV and radio these days. The talent show I did, firstly, it was called Opportunity Knocks, and it was originally a show hosted by Huey Green back in the... six. I remember watching it as a six-year-old. Then it got dropped, and then it got brought back many years later, just for, I think, three series hosted by the great Bob Monkhouse. 
And it was basically like Britain's Got Talent is today. It was a variety show. It wasn't a singing competition. It was a variety show. So on my heat, for instance, there were dancers. There were there was a comedian, and I was singing my song and and that. So I was part of that variety. Um, so I would say, in some ways, it's still there because you watch Britain's Got Talent, and you do have jugglers, and you have singers, and you have comedians, and so that's a lovely thing to see. So there is still an element of that variety, and I think a lot of parts of the industry do do still try to to uh, to, to to keep that variety in our culture. Musically, hmm. Well. This is a whole other world for me because I feel very strongly about this. Musically, it has absolutely changed. And if you want to tie this into why I've been singing Billy Joel songs for the last five years, not impersonating Billy Joel. I don't go on there, put a goatee beard and dark glasses and pretend to be Billy Joel. I go as Elio Pace. And I somehow I can't quite imagine you with a coating pair of glasses. <laughs> I've got photographs to show that you. That image is going to sit with me for a while now. <laughs> no, I once did have a coating pair when I was younger. When I actually had hair once as well. Okay. No, I um the sorry, it's a long-winded way of getting round to the answer, but I feel very strongly about the way that music has changed. When you think about, just think about this. Back in the thirties and the forties, when pop music were big bands the Glenn Millers you know um, all those wonderful the Count Basie bands and the, and all the singers that would sing in front of them so this wasn't about singing songwriters this was a whole different type of it but you imagine the pop music was created by musicians musicians who were as skilled at what they did as the people that build houses mm. so this is this is a little bit of my rub here that you don't you don't decide to build your own house and then go and get some people who think they can build houses to build your house. You go to the best person you can afford because you don't want that house to fall down. It needs to have incredible foundations so that house could stand there, outlive you and your relatives for centuries. Music isn't quite the same as that. Sport, think about sport. It's You enter the 100-metre race. They're not going to just because you're a popular person or because you're good-looking. You have got to be the best. And if you win, you're the fastest. Art isn't like that. Art is, as we said before, it's all in the eye of the beholder. And if you have companies and the industry that teach people, that slightly, shall we say, brainwash people over the years into thinking that uh, this is important, this is, this, is, this is what you should be following, this is what you've got... Um, it's it's going to, especially when that industry is run by people that aren't the greatest house builders or aren't the greatest sportsmen. They are businessmen. Then you're, and it's about money. Mm. And of course, we all know what sells: beautiful girls on motorbikes, sells magazines, and and uh, you know, and and good looking. Boy bands can put thousands of young girls in an arena. You can understand where this is going. But once upon a time, it was pop music was you had not only great horn players, great drummers, great guitarists, even through the 50s, into the 60s, into the 70s. And then it started, I think, to change in the 80s where, it, it, you know, you didn't have to be to that level to make great pop music. It started all moving around. Maybe punk was a big thing to do with that. You know, punk was a was a was was a reaction to all that was, they say, safe 
I don't see it like that. Even if you didn't like disco or you didn't like, you know, whatever it was, uh, it's still amazing. Those records are amazing. You've got some real string players mm. that are really playing violins on Saturday Night Fever. You've got a drummer that can really keep time. You've got singers that can really sing without auto-tune and all of that. And and so punk was a, was, was, an, was a thing against all of that. Ah, let's get rid of this. Well, I, I was never into that. I don't believe in that. I grew up li- loving Perry Como as much as I loved Queen, as much as I loved Elvis, as much as I loved Elton John, you know. Um, it was all, it's, it's, so yes, music without a doubt has changed. Doing the Billy Joel songbook is about me trying to keep what I believe is the greatest rock and roll songbook alive and i re- tell you why it's the for me in my humble opinion it is the greatest rock and roll songbook yes better than mccartney yes better than elton john's and stevie wonders for my opinion because of the color and the variety in billy joel's pop writing because of his classical influence he was a classical musician who fell in love with rock and roll and knew how to bring all that color from classical into rock and roll Nobody wrote such an eclectic mix of music and had so many hits, but knew how to get all of that packed into three-minute pop songs. I mean, it's unbelievable if I reeled off the songs, you know, that Billy Joel did. Anyway, that's another part of the story. But the reason I do that is because I truly believe that music today doesn't have that colour. The colour's gone. Mm. And if you want to talk technically, I'm talking about the chords, the chords that make up music... You know, there's a there's a there's a lot of memes out there, and there's there's a video out there of a of, of a comedy duo highlighting this by by playing the same four chords. Let's say in the key of C, you're talking C, G, A minor, F. Those four song uh, chords, which are basically the Let It Be chords from whenever it was 1970, that has now become you 95% of music you hear on television adverts pop music is based around those four chords now people say yes but so was rock and roll but rock and roll uh, was different you know when you had three chords chuck berry three chord songs there was something in the lyric there was something else there was great guitar playing there was great piano playing there was something else on top of that um i do uh, firmly believe that music is different and pop stars today some of them are amazing singers amazing singers but i i don't really feel their groove as far as their songwriting is concerned and of course some of them can do branch out and write some great Mm. songs and then of course they have songs written for them but who are writing the songs the people who are told by the record company it needs to be like this so it can't be too long it can't be too short and you can't have too many chords you can't go can't stop changing listen to listen to the earth wind and fire do you remember and the key changes and all of that the key changes the saxophone solos the guitar solos the amazing stuff that we used to we grew up with kids where's all that gone yeah it's, I'm not, I know I sound so old, but it's just not there. It's not there. And this leads on to how, the, you know, and how school, uh, school teaches music and how much they respect art in schools. I mean, this is a whole other subject. We've answered a couple of other questions, Sorry. actually, in that very eloquent answer you've just given me. Uh, and I've got one eye on the time. I'm thinking, oh, no, I want to keep going. Um, uh, highlight of your career so far. They've, I mean, I, I've started writing all the accolades down and then gave up. Um, whether it's the 17th Independent Music Awards, yeah. whether it's the tour... Uh, 
all these right. other things you've been recognised for. What's the highlight so far? I'm sure there's many more to come, but what's well, what's the one well, that stand out? The, the new baby highlight, because, you know, it, it changes. The new baby is what you've just said. This year, in June, we won an award. I, I, I won my first ever award. I've been in this business over 30 years, loving it, gigging musician, uh, you know, working hard. And this year, the Independent Music Awards, based in New York, um, from which some great stars, you know, Megan Trainer and people like that, were once in. I'm an independent, so they reward independent music makers all around the world. They nominated my Billy Joel songbook DVD as a best long form music mm. video, and we won. I was in New York. You know, I've watched the Oscars all my life. I've watched the Grammys. I've watched the BAFTAs in, and, and, and the Brits. And to be in a room when they go and the nominations for... And the winner for best long-form video is Elio Pace for the Billy Joel Elio. I have to correct the Americans as much as possible. Elio Pace for the Billy Joel Songbook live DVD. I mean, it was, it was just... It was just, it was just, you know, it was, it was such a reward for all of this, for all of the the joy um, that has come my way, and all of those, you know, those losses. As well, well, scandalous that you haven't been recognised before now, but very, very well deserved. Thank you. Two final questions. First of all, how do we find out more about Elio Pace, Pace, whatever you call these yeah. days? Uh, <laughs> social media presence. Yeah. They want to know. Everyone wants to know about how they get hold of the DVD and the. And, yeah. and the albums and stuff like that. So very quickly on okay. those, if you would. Well, eliopace.com, E-L-I-O-P-A-C-E.com is my is my um, shop window. Mm -hmm. And everything's available on there. Um, very quickly, I just want to say that um, people will probably do Google searches on me and there's lots of stuff on YouTube of me doing, you know, the BBC Weekend Wogan when I was the musical director for Terry Wogan, bless his heart. Um, that was live at the beach just down the road here. I used to come to <laughs> here all the t every morning. To um, I was the featured artist on that and that's where I got to play with people like, you know, uh, Brian May and Huey Lewis and stuff like that. it was unbelievable um, and people will search me and you'll find bits of but you won't find my music on iTunes and Spotify and uh, not even on uh, my own material on YouTube only because as an independent artist uh, I don't know how deeply you want to get into this I don't know what time we've got but I decided uh, after many years of seeing how that industry works and how uh, us creating uh, us creative artists people who pay our own good money to create our own output how those companies don't give us hardly anything back and make a lot of money on our backs i've decided to pull all my stuff off of the of of, of spotify and, and itunes and stuff um i was happy to have my i just don't want to stream my stuff for, for free because the value of music seems to have just depreciated to the point where people are happy to pay three ninety nine for a cup of coffee on the way here, but they won't pay ninety nine P to download a song mm. they want. Or even seven ninety nine to buy an album that's taken you eighteen months to make and you've poured your heart and soul into it. So all of my music is available even as downloads on at my website, Elio Pace. Brilliant. That's a nice easy place to find you then. Uh final question, you yeah. know how this works. Yeah. Uh Gosh, we've covered so much. But let me ask you to try and encapsulate everything in one simple sentence. I come to you, young Elio Pace, to Elio Pace Senior Dad. One bit of advice to help me 
find my way in life, what one bit of advice, Elia, would you offer to your son or a younger version of yourself? The first thing that's just popped into my head, and we haven't prepared this at all, is what my mum always used to say to me. When I used to get a little bit too big for my boots, when I was a little bit too proud of what I'd just done, she used to say to me, Elio, don't be content with being better than the people you're better than. Always look up and go, I want to be as good as that. That's the advice. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. What can I say? This, they're going to have to be a part two. Um, I might have to buy you lunch, but there'll be a part two. <laughs> it would be for my sure, pleasure. For it sure. Because be um, we're going to get absolutely swamped with calls for you to come back and there'll be lots of questions that we'll pass on to you. We might even make um, a couple of copies of your album available as a little prize uh, for anyone who just wants to Please. hook up with us on social media. Elio Pace, Pace, Elio Pace Forte. Um, <laughs> it's been, a, a jo- look, a joy. I, I can't think of a, a suitable adjective that does this justice, really. You are such a terrific man and so supremely talented. For those of you listening that haven't listened to Elio's work, you absolutely must find the time to do that. Elio, thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. That was the Sandro Forte podcast. What can I say? One of the world's greats, Elio Pace. What a super, super chap he is. Many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks. You know how it works. I'm not going to go through the drill all over again. But remember, it's Sandro's podcast with an S because people always get it wrong. Please keep those stories coming and the emails. Hello at sandrospodcast.com. And if you can, keep those reviews on iTunes coming too. Don't forget to tune in this time next week. Thank you.